Heyo! Welcome to episode 82 of the Yours Truly podcast. If you don't know me or recognize my voice already, my name is Claire Tuning. I am the dietitian behind the show that you are currently listening to, as well as the dietitian behind Yours Truly Nutrition. And I am so happy that you are here joining me today for episode 82. However, you have come to our little corner of the podcast land. I'm really happy that you're here because we have kind of a different episode. I don't know if it's necessarily different, but it is a topic. Here we go. I guess this is a better way to intro it. It's a topic that I have never necessarily touched on or covered here on the Yours Truly podcast, and I am so excited to have not one special guest, but two special guests to help me cover the very big topic that is how can I work to raise an intuitive eater or have a positive food environment around the home when there are little ones involved. So before I get too ahead of myself there and intro our guests, you know what we got to do here on the show. I got to give you a little life update and then I have to give you the update from our Facebook community. So really the main life update I have, if I'm speaking very quickly, I'm trying to pace myself I'm trying to slow myself down, but I have like the major jitters today. I have really been jiving on Starbucks cold brew. Here in Virginia, it's kind of like the time of the season where like some days it feels really nice and warm outside and other days it still feels like winter. But anywho, on the day that we had recently that it was like 65 degrees and sunny, it was amazing. I was like, I'm going to go take a walk and get a cold brew. So I did and I was sipping on my cold brew, walking back and all of a sudden, right when I sit down in my desk, the caffeine hits me like a load of bricks. So I've been working on that same cup of coffee for two days. If you know me in real life, you're like, oh, there she goes again, drinking the same cup of coffee over the span of multiple days. Call me crazy, but I really do believe that Starbucks coffee is just stronger, especially their cold brew. I am convinced that it has more caffeine than quote unquote normal coffee. I posted about it on Instagram a couple of days ago, and a lot of you seem to agree with me, which makes me feel a little bit less crazy, although it doesn't really take away the jitter. So I'm feeling hype, excited to be here introing our guests for today. But again, before we get there, let us us, haha, food pun, transition to our Yours Truly Goal Slayer featured post of the week. So this post that I'm featuring today comes from a community member who is so incredible. She's very present in our community. She comments. She is so uplifting. She tuned in to one of my live videos there in the community last week, and she was like my personal hype woman in the comments. I was loving it, but the post that I would love to feature from her actually comes from a couple of weeks ago now, but I haven't featured it before, and I think it is a really important reflection that many people could likely benefit from hearing. So she writes, Hi, Goal Slayers. I've been feeling pretty down today. I couldn't help but let some tears fall as I let myself sit in my discomfort earlier. To be honest, the hardest part of breaking up with diet culture has always been the feeling of isolation from peers, friends, and family. When everybody around me is engaging in disordered eating behaviors or negative self-talk about their bodies, it leaves me feeling kind of like the odd one out. 
And today, that was really bothering me. So I decided to start something I've been encouraged to do by a few different books and podcasts so far, a journal. I needed to remind myself the reason why I'm doing this. I needed to write down the principles of intuitive eating as a reminder of what this process will entail. And it wasn't until I wrote my first entry that I realized the following. It has been exactly one month since I ditched dieting. Just one month. I'm doing this journey so that I can have more energy to be happy and present in every moment. My feeling of isolation is rooted in the fear of rejection, and my friends and family won't reject me for being a happier, healthy version of myself. And to prove that I'm not alone, I just wanted to vent and share, so thanks for reading. And she has the heart emoji, as well as a lot of other fun and very appropriate emojis scattered throughout her post. So I want to give a big shout out and a thank you to this goal slayer. I do know for a fact that she is a listener to the podcast, so if you are listening, thank you so much for sharing or quote-unquote venting, as she put it here. But I really do believe that she is not alone in having a day, multiple days, a span of time that feels very challenging where we feel isolated. We feel like, hey, the easy thing for me to do right now would be to go back to the comfort of dieting. But what I love that she did and something that I encourage many of my clients to do, even as they come into my one-on-one coaching program, is take a couple of moments, maybe even more than a couple, and write down your why on this journey. Why did you reach out to learn what intuitive eating was all about. Why did you reach out for help? Why somewhere in your mind did you decide that dieting was no longer for you? You likely would not be listening to this podcast or in my Facebook community, in the coaching program, reading any intuitive eating book, if you did not know somewhere deep within you that you had to get away from dieting. So I think sometimes in those really challenging moments, it can be easy to kind of look back on our dieting or disordered eating days kind of through like a rose colored lens saying, well, it wasn't that bad, right? Or maybe maybe it wasn't as bad as I remember it being. And we try to rationalize in those moments and that's just how insidious and creepy and icky diet culture can be that it convinces us oh well, maybe it won't be that bad if I just go back to dieting but again if you can learn one thing from this intro or from this episode in general when and if you were having those days really sit down and try to gain a little bit of clarity on why it is important for you to make peace with food and your body what is that going to add to your life How will it allow you to show up for yourself and other people, your pets, your career, whatever it might be that is important to you? How will it allow you to show up better if you are no longer distracted and brought down by dieting and feeling negative around food in your body? So again, take a page out of her book, or maybe I should say take a page out of her journal and do yourself a favor and maybe take a couple of moments to get clear on your why and keep that posted, keep it on your phone, just somewhere where you can see it often so you will constantly feel strengthened and you know why you are here, why you are unlearning from those years of dieting and disordered eating and relearning a version of health and nutrition and movement that is more nourishing for not only here and now, but also for the long term of your life. So again, 
Thank you to this goal slayer. I truly appreciate you. If I have not already exhausted that pun from the podcast, I probably have, but I'm going to keep saying it anyways. But without further ado, da, 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 my transition music is coming along to help me introduce my, again, not one, but two podcast guests. I'm getting a phone call. <laughs> going to decline that for the moment, Um, but not one, but my two podcast guests for today's interview. So I am having on the Yours Julie podcast today, two registered dietitians, two moms that go by the names of Gina and Nicole. They have here on their website that they are two good friends living in Ohio in Michigan. If that's not a rivalry, I don't know what is. Um, And they have their own podcast as well. It is called Dietitian's Dish. They will share more about how to find their podcast and get in contact with them at the end of the episode, but they have really fun and informative episodes around um, food, nutrition, kids, family, travel, cooking, all of the things, as well as updates about their own lives as well. So I really encourage you, if you're looking for another fun, nutrition, and family-focused podcast to listen to, give Give them your ear, give them a listen. (laughs) Maybe that's what I'm trying to say because they have a really fun and informative approach. And I am so excited to share our conversation with you here on the Yours Truly podcast today, focused around, again, how can we work to raise intuitive eaters? How can we work to give autonomy to our children when it comes to making food choices? How can we empower them to be, you know, strong and confident eaters? And how can we really create that positive environment around food in our household. So again, I wanted to bring them on the show because I am not a mom myself. I'm a plant mom. I got a lot of plants and none of them have died on my watch, but I have never been a mom to a human, maybe one of these days, but I really wanted to bring on two experts who have much more uh, life experience in this realm than I myself do so that any moms, parents, caretakers out there could hopefully take a couple of actionable items away from our conversation. So without further ado, here is my chat with Gina and Nicole from Dietitian's Dish. Oh, and one more thing. We were having some major, okay, I'll call it like it is. We were having some major technical difficulties at the beginning of this recording, and we had to do a little bit of shuffling around here right before we hit record or play for this episode, so I apologize if my audio sounds a little bit funky. I was not able to use my microphone to record this, so again, apologies in advance if the sound quality is not as clear and crisp as it might be here, but I hope you will still enjoy the episode. Okay, now, here are Gina and Nicole. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Yours Truly podcast. So I'm sitting here amidst a little bit of a technical difficulty, but we're here with our not one, but two guests for our show today. So I'm super excited to have both Gina and Nicole joining me here for our show. They are the hosts, co-hosts, I guess I should say, of Dietitian's Dish podcast. They were um, so great to have me on their show a couple of weeks, maybe a month ago by the time you hear this episode, but I am so excited to have them both here. So before we dive into this or that, how are both of you on this Monday? Uh, 
I, I don't know. I, I have I've been going through a lot of stress, <laughs> mental stress. I will say, figuring out kindergarten for Paige. So today was kind of a a stressful day in that regard, but otherwise very good. Yeah, no complaints. Um, slept like a rock, and it's so it's like a little snow globe here in Michigan. I was walking out of work, and there's like these little snowflakes in my hair. It was, I just I just felt, I don't know, like I li- was living in a snow globe. It was just. I don't know. I like winter. <laughs> that, sounds, uh, that sounds very picturesque. I'm picturing like uh, Elsa from Frozen. I don't, I don't know if that, uh, <laughs> that analogy resonates there. But um, yeah, I'm really happy to have both of you here. And if I had a cool like game show theme song, I would throw it in here. But I'd love to open up with some really fun, lighthearted questions of a segment that I like to call This or That. So are you both ready? Ready. Oh, yeah. Okay. Pancakes or waffles? Really important question. Pancakes. Uh, <laughs> do I have to choose? I'm going to go pancakes, too. Oh, that was a, a lot of, uh, easier of an answer for Gina than it was for I know. Nicole. Um, but I, I don't know. I think I have to disagree with both of you. I think I'm a waffles gal all the way. Huh? I am. Um, I like how the waffles like hold every little part of like butter or syrup in the little divots. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah, I agree with that. But I still, yeah. I guess I like soft more than crunchy. And oh, since okay. waffles tend to be on the crunchier side, I prefer softer. So pancakes, just like my cookies, I like them softer versus crunchy. Ooh. Is that yeah. only because so, yeah. you have braces now? It is not because of the braces. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Nicole. <laughs> <laughs> She called you out just there. She just totally. Called you out. I can't wait to see him. I, I love it. That is such a hard question, though, Claire. I hope your next one's easier. Um, yeah. Well, it might be. The next one is not food related. So, uh, books or movies? If you had to pick one, what would you choose? Books. Yeah, I actually would p- pick books too. I'm not a big movie person. But okay. if you said books or Netflix shows, I would choose Netflix shows. <laughs> maybe I should. Maybe I should choose my question a bit more carefully next time. <laughs> yeah. um, but n- next one I have. Uh, this is a condiment-focused question. So ketchup Ooh. or mustard? If you could only have one for the rest of your life, what would you choose? Mustard. Ketchup. Really? <laughs> Does that make me a dietitian failure? I know. No, no, I have to agree with Nicole. I put ketchup on like literally everything. I think I eat like a three-year-old, so <laughs> <laughs> this is good, which we'll talk a little bit more about in our show. Maybe that should have been the last one, so I could have uh, laid into that one. But uh, next mm-hmm. one, I don't know if this will resonate, if you all have watched either of these shows, but speaking of Netflix, I believe mm. both of these have either been on Netflix, maybe at one time, they might not be anymore, but Friends or Seinfeld? Oh my gosh. That's another hard one, but I have to say Seinfeld. I'm a diehard Seinfeld fan, but I also okay. love me some friends. Oh, friends. Okay. Hands down. Yeah. I uh, I have to say I'm a friends fan, but I, I don't really feel like I've given Seinfeld a fair shot. So I'll be honest about that. <laughs> when I first started dating Nick, my husband, uh, 15 years ago, he quote unquote hated Seinfeld. And then I learned that he'd actually never seen it. <laughs> now, now he quotes it on the daily. So... Claire, you need to give it a whirl. All right. Well, I I can't uh, disagree. I, I'm very much in Nick's boat where it's like I say I don't like it, but honestly, yeah. I don't know if I've given it a fair shot. So yeah. I'll make a note. That'll be my uh, first thing to do, my first action item post-podcast. Um, the, <laughs> <Perfect>. final, <laughs> the final one that I have for both of you, beach or mountains? Oh, gosh. Beach. Beach. 
<laughs> that was easy for both of you. You're like, easy. oh, no worries. <laughs> and and you all, I, I know Gina, you live in Ohio. That is actually how mm-hmm. we are connected for anyone who's listening. Gina was one of the preceptors that I had in my dietetic internship. But Nicole, are you Michigan? Is that where you are? Michigan, yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Two rival Sore states for subject. sure from both of you. <laughs> Thank you again for having me on the show. <laughs> <laughs> We're inviting you into our inner circle. So, um <laughs> <laughs> welcome. But um, speaking of welcome, I'm super happy, like I said at the beginning of the episode, to have both of you here. So before we get into talking a little bit about learning about intuitive eating through the lens of watching your children eat, because you are both moms. So I brought in the experts for this one, podcast listeners. I myself am not a mom. But before we get into that, I love for both of you to maybe take a moment, introduce yourself, talk a little bit about what you do, and then maybe come together at the end and share how you started your own podcast. I'd love for anyone listening to just kind of get the backstory and the picture of who's behind the mic. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll go first since I guess I sort of um, was the impetus to the podcast <laughs> yes. in a way. Mm-hmm. All right, so I have two kids. Um, I have Paige, who is five. She's actually five and a half. She'll be six in August. And then I have Cameron, who is actually going to be three this week on Thursday. Uh, so Cameron's a boy, Paige is a girl, just mm-hmm. because, you know, names you never know anymore. <laughs> and I would say last summer I started listening to podcasts more. I really wasn't into them before that. And I, I got hooked on the Girl Next Door podcast specifically and just loved it. And I thought, you know what? And I, I actually did a little search and, and, and realized there really wasn't any good nutrition and family wellness podcast out there with moms mm-hmm. talking about nutrition and wellness. And the I thought, you know, I would love to do my own podcast. And I thought, I don't want to do it by myself. That's boring. <laughs> and then the first person that came to my mind was Nicole because I met her virtually about probably 15 years ago when I first started my blog, which I don't have anymore, but I had a blog. And um, she also started a blog, what, maybe two years after I started mine, Nicole? Yeah, it was 09 when I started mine. Okay. And I just remember reading her blog and just thinking it was hilarious. And I just <laughs> loved her, just her way of speaking and writing. And then we ended up meeting because she lived here in Ohio, believe it or not, for a little bit. And so I reached out to her. She was all into it. And really, we hit the ground running and haven't looked back since. Wow. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's me. Yeah. And so I, I'm also a registered dietitian. I primarily live in the diabetes education space. Um, and I've been in leadership roles for the past couple of years. And so it's taken me a little bit out of clinical practice, but I really enjoyed it. I have two children, Shay, uh, female Shay, um, who is five. Um, and it is an androgynous name, so I will. And then Piper, who is three. Um, so two girls and my husband, Mark. Um, we both play ice hockey. And if you listen to our show, y'all, Gina's like, here we go. But yeah, I, I can't <laughs> podcast without mentioning the word hockey, but that's kind of my passion. Um, but yeah, Gina and I met, you know, well over a decade ago and, uh, Gina has, we are quite literally opposites. I, everything that Gina is, I am not. And everything that I am, Gina is not. I mean, it's, it's like, I don't perfect. think that's necessarily true, but <laughs> okay. When it comes to running a show, sure. Um, yes, probably true, but yes. we have a lot of things in common too, but when it comes to yeah our strengths and, and, uh, opportunities with 
you know, a podcast, as you know, Clara takes work. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. There's a lot that goes into producing a show and it was Gina's brainchild and to just <laughs> be a part of it is awesome. And we've, we've really enjoyed it and it's really fun to learn more about other podcasters and do things like this being on, on somebody else's show. So yeah. Thanks for yeah. I, I guess I should mention what I do, what I do real quick since I guess yeah, I forgot that it. part of the I question. I was going to ask, yes, but go ahead. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so I work with students who have food allergies for a university here in Ohio, and I mainly just help them kind of acclimate to the meal plan. And then I also do wellness events for our team members and for our students. Okay. So, yeah. And my husband is Nick. <laughs> and Nicole, you mentioned that you work mostly in the, the diabetes field, but have a, a job that's focused on leadership mostly. Is that kind of mm-hmm. how you describe that? Yeah, yeah. So I have a team of nurses and dietitians, and okay. um, you know, we my system recently integrated with a much larger health system, and, and that kind of spans, uh, I don't know, half ish of the state of Michigan. So it's, oh, it's wow. a rather large um, health system. So it's it's really now like navigating that at a at a much broader system level. Kind of how do we take care of diabetics better? Which is I love it. No easy feat when they're in the hospital. It's no yeah. easy feat when you have all these uncontrollable factors and then you you add like acute illness to it and you know, it just doesn't get any easier. Yeah, I can mm-hmm. imagine that is a lot to manage and oversee and and lead for sure. But it kind it kind of sounds like both of you have come together as fellow mom dietitians ready to like take over the podcast universe. Like that's kind of <laughs> how, I'm, you, how I'm viewing both of you. And I have to say for anyone who's listening to this show, uh, you definitely have to go check out Nicole and Gina. They're so fun to listen to. I have to say I've listened to my fair share of both of your episodes. And Nicole, it was no surprise to me when you brought up ice hockey here in your introduction, <laughs> just in, in hearing um, how you all go back and forth on your podcast. So um, thank you for for introducing yourself and helping the listeners to maybe understand who I'm having here on the show. But something that you both know about me, because we have talked on your show before and we follow all of each other's content on social media, that I approach nutrition from the lens of intuitive eating. And one Mm -hmm. way that I like to describe intuitive eating. Well, actually, there are many different ways, but um, a couple of the ways that I describe it are, you know, if diet culture did not exist, it would simply be called eating. So it's really just a way of kind of (laughs) simplifying and strengthening our relationship with food. But something else that I find myself saying a lot, which is in part a reason why I'm really excited to speak with both of you, is that, you know, we are all more or less born intuitive eaters, right? We come into this world knowing how to eat, knowing how to ask for food when we're hungry, knowing how to moderate our our intake for our needs for growth at that period of of time when we are younger up until where we are now. But oftentimes there are these messages put out there in the media and through all of these diets that really make us believe like you don't know how to nourish your body without all of these rules and all these guidelines and restrictions. So Seeing that both of you are moms and you both have two children each, I see you all being very similar in that way. Um, Are your kids kind of around the same age as well, both of them, both sets? Mm -hmm. Yeah, pretty much, almost exactly. Wow, how perfect is that? But I'm kind of wondering, um, do you think that kids are intuitive eaters? Or maybe what comes to mind for each of you when you hear me say, you know, we're all born intuitive eaters. How does that land kind of from the perspective of two people who see children eat literally Mm -hmm. every single day? (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
Um, Nicole, why don't you start off? I'm going to put you on the spot. Yeah, no, I love it. It's actually, I think you said it on our show, Claire, that children are, are naturally intuitive eaters. They just are. And I, I think it was actually after we had you on our show that I really started to pay closer attention to that. Hmm. I think for myself as a dietitian and a mom, uh, children tend to be a little bit more choosy and they're unpredictable, I think, when it comes to food. And as a parent um, who spends considerable amounts of time meal planning, meal prepping, you name it, um, and to have that <laughs> underappreciated by the little people in my life, um, it can be really frustrating. Uh, but two, two just um, examples of intuitive eating. Um, Shay, my oldest, would be my more choosy eater of the two. And if she were to name her favorite food, it would be mac and cheese, specifically mm-hmm. Panera's mac and cheese, which Ooh. if you've ever had you can't it, blame is, her. Yeah, totally. Right. It's like amazing. <laughs> so about three weeks ago, we had um, like a group on or something, got Panera mac and cheese for dinner that night and she didn't finish it. And I did. I didn't catch myself before saying and I hate this, but I'm admitting it. I said, Shay, you just have a couple bites left. Are you sure you don't want this? Because honestly, I was going to eat it. And I didn't <laughs> want her to be like, you ate my mac and cheese. So she's like, no, my tummy's full. I'm like, okay, awesome. Ooh, um, yeah. And uh, then what did I do? I ate the mac and cheese. And my immediate thought was, why did I just do that? Like, I'm not, like, I didn't, I wanted it, but I was not anywhere near hungry and it was just this perfect example of intuitive eating and then not um if you will and not (laughs) listening to your body's cues of like it wasn't that uh like guilt over having the mac and cheese it was a feeling of uncomfortable fullness that Mm -hmm. it was no longer pleasurable at that point if that makes sense and then um so I, I would I would say that was just such a contrast there between her approach to the mac and cheese and mine. Yeah. Um, and then my most recent one would be my youngest child, Piper, is a pretty darn good eater. And funny, this is a mac and cheese story too. But we were having a lazy weekend and I had prepared like boxed mac and cheese for the kids and we had a vegetable with it and I served them both. And interestingly, my husband and I were eating lobster tails and mashed potatoes. <laughs> So this was the day after Valentine's Day. It was like the Valentine's Day after Valentine's Day. And Piper literally looked at her food. She's like, I do not want that. I want that. And she points to lobster tail. And that girl tore it up. She was, it was just so funny because she, her, she just naturally, I don't know, did not want the mac and cheese, even though she would traditionally almost follow in the steps of her big sister. Um, I think a lot of times kids can get kind of get sucked into like what's cool and what's not cool. Mm-hmm. What are their friends eating? What are their, uh, you know, their older siblings eating? And there's all these influences that come around with food. And I just love that at that just ripe age of three, she's just all about food and trying new things. And actually, that was not her first time having lobster. She has quite the bougie palate. It's, it's quite laughable. Um, but Piper ended up eating at least a third of the lobster that had been prepared, which was like three small tails. Um, wow. So we, we weren't so thrilled about sharing with her, but it was so cute. I just loved seeing her her intuitive nature around all of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's so fascinating that it's like two examples based in food preferences, like really shining through. It's like, mm-hmm. it's not that I don't love mac and cheese, mom. It's not that I don't like this, but I would prefer that at that moment. Just yep. she knows like 
what she likes. She knows the texture and the taste. And, and two, the example with your, your other daughter, Shay, just being able to say, hey, you know, tummy's full, right? Like I get this sensation, I get this cue from inside me and I would not like any more at that moment. So that is something that I'm hoping anyone who, who is listening, maybe even some, some of my clients can pick up on that and say, those are two things that we definitely talk about in intuitive eating. How do you feel when you eat certain foods, right? Checking in with your hunger fullness cues and then also what do you prefer or, or what maybe feels better in that moment? So Gina, I'm kind of curious, do you have thoughts or maybe examples from any of, of your kids or just anything that you've mm-hmm. noticed in general? Oh, yeah. And I would say, you know, and this might sound like an obvious statement, but it definitely starts at birth, you know, mm-hmm. thinking of formula feeding or breastfeeding. One of the most, and we're going to do an episode on this pretty soon, postpartum wellness. One of the most stressful parts, if not the most stressful part of my life when I first became a mother with Paige was the feeding aspect. Um, she didn't latch well. I had bloody nipples. It was a catastrophe. And I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, she's not getting enough nutrients. I would I would end up pumping and, and you know, putting uh, breast milk into a bottle and feeding it to her that way. But I still just thought there's no way she's eating enough. She's, you know, she's going to be, she's going to be small. She's going to be, you know, she's not getting the nutrition that she needs at such, at such a young age. But she was peeing. She was pooping. She wasn't grumpy. She wasn't crying. She wasn't, she seemed perfectly fine. But in my mind, I just, I just kept saying all these negative things to myself, making, kind of putting myself down, assuming Mm -hmm. that I knew how much she really needed. But in reality, she knew exactly how much she needed and when she needed it. And that is the perfect example is right when they're born, they know exactly what they need and when they need it. Whether you're breastfeeding or bottle feeding, it's a little bit more difficult when you're bottle feeding, but it's definitely doable to, you know, raise an intuitive eater. You just have to make sure that when you put the formula in there or the breast milk, whatever you're doing, that you don't, you know, if once they turn their head and look not interested, you need to learn to kind of, you know, step away from that desire to make them finish the bottle because they mm-hmm. might not want to. And I remember so many times reminding myself that when I was pumping and putting it in a bottle. Okay, she turned her head. She's, you know, I tried one more time. Nope, she's not interested. I don't need to get her to force, you know, to finish this bottle, even though in my mind, I think I think she, quote unquote, needs it. Another example, though just actually this weekend and this is something that's blasphemy for me because I just love desserts Paige this happened actually twice um, I gave Paige a dessert and she literally left a bite on the on her plate because she was full uh-huh. and actually for Cameron's birthday party which we celebrated this weekend my my dad was looking at me like I was crazy he had a cupcake licked off all the icing asked for another one I gave it to him he licked off the majority of the icing he asked for another one I gave it to him because this is just what I do I, I allow them and because here's why I gave him a third one I knew he would not eat it my dad looked at me like I was crazy. He was like, he even said, like, are you sure you want to give him another one? I'm like, yeah, he's fine. What do you know? He didn't even eat it. So it could have been me saying, no, Cameron, you've had enough. And he would have thrown a fit and, you know, it would have been sending the wrong message. Instead, I let him have it and kind of normalize the, the dessert food and mm-hmm. he didn't even eat it. So that was a, a great yeah. example of an intuitive eater. Yeah, that is so interesting. And I, I know you all can't see me, but I'm smiling so big because I love these stories because I've never had this experience to be able to kind of like watch this go down. But it sounds like the, the first experience there with Paige, it's kind of um, letting her lead and saying, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not going to put my idea of what you should be eating or your fullness level um, on mm-hmm. you. And I don't really know 
how that how that feels for you and I can imagine again I'm not a mom myself but I can imagine how challenging that might be right you're saying I I just want the best for her I want her to be fed I want her to get enough nutrition so I can imagine how challenging that is and kind of what you were saying the the second example there with Cameron I'm actually I have a question to kind of spiral off of that because you reminded me of something that I get a fair amount of questions around and I feel like I cannot speak to um, fully or maybe as well as you all can because again I don't have kids but when you're trying to raise an intuitive eater or just a a child who has a positive relationship with food, like it sounds like both of you all are really trying your best to do, how do you maybe handle or what might be a good strategy for any parent who is receiving a lot of comments from other people or other parents about, um, Gina, kind of like what you were saying that your dad was like, are you really going to give him that other cupcake? Or, you know, kind of throwing shade at like, are you really going to quote unquote, let your kid eat that way? What might Mm be something to either think about or something you could even say in that moment to just remind yourself, hey, I'm doing the best I can and I'm not trying to like put food beliefs or food fears on them, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's easier as a dietitian to sort of cast those comments aside because we are the quote unquote food professionals. So it's hard for me to answer that question without having not ever been a dietitian. But what I would say is that just like we need to trust our kids to be intuitive eaters, w- that they are, um, you, we need to, to trust ourselves as parents. And it, it really boils down to trust in my opinion. Um, you know, people will make comments about anything. You could feed your kid, you know, the most quote unquote balanced, nutritious diet yeah. according to all the dietary guidelines and all the rules and you'll still get comments. So you just have to trust, trust yourself and trust your kids. That's what, that's my tip. Yeah. I can remember, I love your comment, throwing shade. That started for me, <laughs> I would say with baby led weaning. <clears throat> I was. Oh Yeah. And, you know, you simplified intuitive eating to say, you know, diet culture didn't exist. It would just be called eating. That's how I feel about baby led weaning. It's Mm. just eating. Um, Yeah. And, you know, I I don't like the rules around it and all of that. I really think it's feed your kid. You know, that's, Mm -hmm. you know, a healthy, balanced um, diet that's super, you know, with lots of variety and color and all of those things. And that's exactly what I did. And my parents, I, I can remember my in-laws really struggled with it because it, mm. it was not typical. I mean, that's certainly nothing that they grew up with. Everything was pureed and offered one food group at a time. And it, it was just, it was a sequence um, of everything. But mm-hmm. for me, it was really just um, an experience. And I think it mirrored beautifully, like what we do at home, which is try new recipes and new foods and um, really making it a family experience of all sitting together. Um, and, and we really honor the mealtime, I guess you could say. I think for me, and I, I have shared this with Gina certainly, is being an overweight dietitian um, and having always struggled with weight and body image personally, it, mm-hmm. I have found it challenging um, at times to not um, just impress that upon my children in any way. So for example, you know, I, and I kind of joked, I put it on Facebook, but my girls, when it came to time for Valentine's day, their immediate reaction was, yay, we get to eat junk all day. And Mm -hmm. it's, you know, I wish that that mentality, you know, I find it laughable kind of because they just, they do love those foods, but they are included in their diet. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I, I I wish they felt so passionately about uh, fruits and vegetables, but they don't. And that's probably (laughs) par for the course. Uh, but I, I think it's this constant fear of being sure that leading a healthy lifestyle does not, um, 
it, it's not perceived to my children as restriction, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, just because pizza is not something that we don't do takeout, you know, twice a week. Um, and do they perceive then that that you know it's it's that it's hard to know what that balance is where restriction or control I guess you could say or as far as I'm concerned just eating the way that we eat typically um, mm-hmm. is not causing them to have a an unbalanced relationship with food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of just wanting to be sure that the the messaging behind what you are doing isn't, you know, because we have to eat this mm-hmm. way, right? Or because yeah. there is a rule about X, Y, and Z, but just letting them know, like, this is how we eat, right? And this is the food that's mm-hmm. available. And just kind of wanting to make sure that intention comes across as being a positive one rather than based in restriction. And I can see why that would be important to want to make that distinction. And something that I'm kind of thinking about is I'm thinking of a, a really powerful question that our listeners might be able to take away from if they are parents, if they're trying to raise intuitive eaters or have a positive environment around food in, um, in everyone's house. I, I'm kind of wondering, do you think that we can learn anything as adults from how our kids maybe eat and experience food. Um, Something that I say to my clients all the time is like, of course, like you come to me because you want to learn, you want to try new things, but you know, I want to learn from you as well, right? I want this to be kind of a, a collaborative experience where I'm learning from you, you're learning from me. So I'm kind of wondering if that can maybe even translate over into parenting or being a parent. Like, is there any Anything from from your all's perspective that you feel like you can learn from how your kids interact with food, eat food, mm-hmm. um, act around food? I'm just kind of wondering if we could formulate a takeaway or just something to look for on on that line. Mm-hmm. I would say one thing that my kids do that I wish I could go back to and that I need to work on is eat slowly and savor their food. Uh especially Paige. She is just so good about just sitting. Sometimes it's annoying, actually, in the morning when I'm trying to rush her. It's terrible. Um, But, you know, we've got a a schedule. But she just sits and savors her food bite by bite and does not hurry and just enjoys it. And I think that's so important. I would also say they eat without rules. They don't think too much about what they're putting in their mouth. They're basically eating based on what they enjoy and what what they like. And that is so important. And that message has been lost on a lot of adults, I believe. You know, we eat mm-hmm. first by with rules and we eat, you know, what's going to be healthy, what's going to make us, you know, live longer, what's going to make us look better. But our kids don't think about that. They get gentle nudges from us as adults, which I think is important. And, you know, they le- we lead by example and that's good for them to see. So we do what we can in that regard. But they are not eating with rules in mind or looking at labels or, you know, thinking what should I eat this versus that, which one's healthier for me versus which one's, you know, going to make me feel better and that I'm actually going to enjoy more. And I try so hard um, as an intuitive eater, which I believe that I am, but I'm still working on things. I'm definitely not perfect Mm -hmm. um, to kind of get back to that, that place that I was when I know I was when I was a kid and seeing my kids eat really inspires me to, to be better all the time. Yeah, I love that. I think I um, I think I hear a bit of a different question when you ask that, Claire. I think of, um, not to be glass half full, but I, you know, I think of my children what they say to me about kind of, especially at their school. So they're in the same um, preschool classroom, basically. And what what I can what I've gathered is that they <laughs> benchmark <laughs> what they're eating and drinking 
against what other kids are eating and drinking. And mm. I unfortunately don't think that that stops at any point in our life. Um, mm-hmm. As adults, I think we knowingly or not are, are we see what others are doing um, and draw conclusions based on our own, you know, beliefs, biases, you know, just our own lens, if you will. And, and that can be, that can be good and bad. Um, rationalizing with a three-year-old why they can't have, you know, a high C, uh, a 20 ounce high C in their lunch every single day is difficult. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's where they can, you know, I'm hearing, well, blah, blah, blah has that every day in her lunch along mm. with potato chips and Oreos. And it's difficult not to then, you know, when your child is surrounded with that um, and they don't get that on the daily and then they do have that, you know, on occasion, it, it's it's difficult to not create that that binge type of behavior. Um, and I think I just struggle with that as a parent. I don't, I think a lot of parents probably do, but it's, I think it's striking the balance is difficult. It's really mm-hmm. difficult um, to create that intuitive eater once influence of the world starts to creep yeah. in. Um, because mm-hmm. we know that in those first, you know, babies, infants are so intuitive and we, we have to trust in that. But I see it in adulthood too. It's, yeah, it's, it's just challenging. It, it just sticks with us. And that's why conversations around intuitive eating and just diet culture in general are so powerful because it's, it's underappreciated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of just like drawing awareness back to what we once did <laughs> and yep. what we once knew either consciously or subconsciously. But um, Nicole, I think you answered a question that I was wondering, even in just kind of saying everything that you just said, I, I was kind of wondering or thinking, because this is something that I always wonder with every client who I work with, like, when did we start um, pulling away from how we were able to act as infants, right? When did we start questioning ourselves? When did we start comparing? our our bodies, our, our food intake to other people. And I think you answered that very well in your question. It's like, well, when you go to school and you start, you know, being surrounded by your peers who are doing different things, who live in different bodies, who come from different homes, it's hard to kind of protect in a way, I guess I could say, that um, an intuitive eater that maybe didn't have all of those influences before. And Gina, something that you were saying, I actually wrote this down because I didn't want to forget. Um, But something that I say very often um, when I'm just talking about intuitive eating and I'm helping to to show my clients like what this is about, I say that, you know, kids eat with their bodies, right? They say, what am I hungry for? What Mm -hmm. feels good for me? How hungry or how full am I? But adults, again, as we kind of start comparing our lunches, right? Why can't I have the high C? She has the high C, right? And we kind of just get introduced to diet culture. We start eating with our minds before our bodies often. And I think that is mm-hmm. where a lot of the rules and the second guessing ourselves and the, the fear at the end of the day around food comes in because we are so disconnected with what our body is giving us as feedback from eating. We're just so up in our heads. Again, not saying it's any fault of our own because it's the world that we live in. But I just thought that was very interesting from kind of what both of you, I guess, there were sharing. So kind of as we uh, draw towards the end of our episode here, I I do have a question that's going to kind of sound like it's coming from out of left field. 
<laughs> because it is not really related to what we are talking about here, but it is something that I like to uh, wrap up my podcast with before we talk about where to find you and you know how to get in contact with the both of you. But something that you know is a strong message that I like to include in this podcast is the idea of living gently with ourselves or living with self-kindness or self-compassion because that is something that we can't lose throughout an intuitive eating journey because then it just becomes the dieting journey, right? Where we're constantly beating ourselves up, we're feeling guilty, we're blaming ourselves. So I'm kind of curious for each of you, what is maybe a practice or a habit that you have in your daily life that really helps you to work on self-kindness and holding more space for yourself rather than beating yourself up for everything that didn't get done or hasn't gotten done yet or um, anything along those lines. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's (laughs) funny because I feel like out of most people, well, I shouldn't say most people, compared to a lot of people in my life, I just don't take things so seriously. I mm-hmm. do not often beat myself up or about about really anything. Uh, if someone doesn't like me, I tend to not care. I mean, unless <laughs> that's just how I am. I think things just kind of roll off my shoulders, I guess. Now, granted, when it comes to being a mother, I think it's a little bit different. And that's kind of where things in my life have changed. You know, if someone's going to judge my mothering, that's a little bit harder to take. But I still, you know, I'm, again, it goes back to trust. I trust that what I'm doing is right and that I know what I'm doing, at least for the most part. Um, But I'm pretty gentle on myself overall. And I surround myself with people who are kind and um, forgiving and just, you know, pay it forward. And not just in my life or in my, you know, personal life, but also in my work life. You know, I'm, I'm very much surrounded where I work with just very, very positive people. So I think that's also super helpful. And if there's someone in my life who I feel like is bringing me down, I, I don't feel obligated to keep them in my life. So I guess mm-hmm. I think that's, that's really that's me. That's what I do. Who surround your, who you surround yourself with is important. That's what I take from your answer. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yes. Thank you. I love it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I think if you're, uh, I actually used to be pretty type A and then I had children and it's like, well, <laughs> that went out the window. Um, <laughs> like I'm not in control of anything anymore. Um, it, but I do think that having children reframes you into, um, it, uh, just a, a loss of control and, and, mm-hmm. and really being able to just roll with that a little bit more because as soon as you relinquish <laughs> that you're going to be a much happier person uh I think for yeah. me the self-care comes in um and I've been using this line with my husband a lot is I'm not saying no to you but I'm saying yes to me Mm. Um, and I use that Gina was kind of like, hmm. but I think that applies in so many ways that it's saying no is, is not a bad thing. And you have to create safe space to say yes to yourself. And for me, I am very clear with everyone in my life that my life has to be balanced and my week, mm-hmm. my month, it, it, that's not the thing that has to be balanced. I need balance every day. I need quiet time. I need time to be alone, not touched by a child, a, any mm-hmm. other human, just decompressing on Instagram, whatever it is. But that it usually includes some type of time in the kitchen, some type of time of doing physical activity, but just creating, just honoring that need and carving it out however I can yeah. get it. Um, for me, I am a much healthier, happier, um, nicer person <laughs> when I I honor that need and, and do what it takes to, to make it happen. I love yeah, it. Nicole, I would agree if with you that. 
if you see me using that quote from you um, on content in mm-hmm. the title of this podcast, um, you will know where that came <laughs> oh, from. I awesome. love that so much. <laughs> you uh, you said that, and I like my my jaw hit the floor, and then I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget it, and then I picked my jaw back up, and here we are. <laughs> um, is it, is it, I'm not saying no to you. I'm saying yes to me. That part. Yes. Okay. Exactly. It's actually from yep. a marriage book. Um, if you, I can, oh. I can. Go, yeah. So it's not it's not a Nicole original, but um, oh, darn. yeah, I can get you, I can get you the source. But I I just to me that I love that because. I feel like saying no is becoming more acceptable um, and not necessarily having to give a why. Uh, just, yeah. mm-hmm. I, li- I like that a lot because we all only have so much time, so much energy and so much effort to give before something is going to, something's going to give. Yeah. And I think that's so important, not only here with the intuitive eating message, but just with life and every human being in general, right? You can only do so much before your health, your sanity comes at the expense of that. So um, I love stress and intuitive eating. I'm sure that there's, (laughs) oh yeah, there has to be a correlation there, right? Most definitely for sure. That is something that uh, I don't think I've ever had a stint of time with a client where we didn't talk about how stress plays into eating, right? And how stress, mm-hmm. you know, plays into just our, our lives in general. So um, thank you both of you for taking the time to be here and shed um, the first bout of, I'll call it mom knowledge here on the Yours Truly mm-hmm. podcast. I know I've had other moms on the show before, but never with the intention of talking about the intersection of intuitive eating and how that really plays out when you have an up close and personal relationship with kids. So this was really enlightening for me. I, I feel a little bit selfish that I just use this time to like take notes for my potential future <laughs> um, uh, very far down the line I will say but um, thank you again so much for for being here and I'd love for you to let our listeners know if they love you all if they feel like you have good mojo is that a word that people use to describe the energy between two humans I don't know um, but they want to listen to your podcast and get more of the information that both of you share where can they find you and what might be the best place to do so Okay. Well, since I usually do the ending of our podcast, I will take it away here. (laughs) So we are Dietitians Dish Podcast, and you can find us on Instagram at Dietitians Dish Podcast, as well as on Facebook at Dietitians Dish Podcast. Um, But basically, the easiest way to find us is either on iTunes or Stitcher, uh, let's see, Spotify, Pretty much all of the ways that you can get a podcast, you can find our podcast. We've got uh, just over 40 episodes, uh, you know, kind of talking about some of the topics that we talked about today. We did one on baby led weaning. Uh, we also did one actually on losing control as a parent, which was a really popular one that we recently did. I know Nicole kind of alluded to that just a second ago. And just tons of other great, great topics to, to listen to, to hopefully binge listen to at your leisure. <laughs> Am I missing anything, I Nicole? No. We'd love for you to come listen. Yeah. I'm really hoping that anyone who's who's listening to my podcast who says, I have kids or, you know, I want more on this topic will go and search you to find you two out because, as I said a couple of moments ago, I love the show. I love the life updates that you all do at the beginning. That is so fun. <laughs> I feel like I know way more about both of you than you know about me. So I feel a little bit of a, of a creeper in that way. Um, but again, thank you again so much for being here, the both of you, on our show Um, Everyone go check them out. And that is all we have today on the Yours Truly podcast, my friends. So we will sign off Yours Truly, Claire, Nicole, and Gina. Yay. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for having us.
That is all I have for you today, my friends. Thank you again for tuning in to episode 82 of the Yours Truly podcast. I hope you learned something. I hope you laughed. Aren't they so much fun? I have so much fun every time I talk to Nicole and Gina. So thank you again to them for coming on. But as always, if you are loving what you are hearing here on the pod, if you get a lot of value from coming back week after week, I would love nothing more. And I would be forever grateful if you could take a couple of moments to tap those five stars, leave a rating and a review because nothing else really helps to grow the show more and ensure that more people will find these messages who need to hear them. So again, leave that five-star rating review, or as always, you can feel free to screenshot wherever you are listening to this episode, upload it to social media, give me a tag, tag dietitian's dish, and let us all know that you are listening. But that is all I have for you this week. So we'll see you back here next Wednesday. Yours truly, Claire.